0: Hey everyone and welcome back to Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg and today unfortunately I'm all by myself. I'm not joined by my lovely fiance Jen. Um, We did the podcast a little bit later this week because on Sunday we were celebrating Father's Day and uh, she's been just massively slammed at work. So I wanted to still do something for you guys though. So still talk about a few things. So it's just gonna be me today. Uh, So it might be a little bit quicker than normal. And hopefully it's as entertaining. I, I really love having Jen here to bounce off of. So it really sucks when she's not here. <clears throat> so we're just going to hit the ground running and start off. So the first story I want to comment on today is that um, it came out after E3 with some interviews with Phil Spencer that the, uh, that Microsoft is selling the Xbox One X at a loss. So they're selling it for 499.99, and it's not making them any money. Now, he didn't directly come out and say that, but one thing he did say was, you don't make hardware to make money, you make money off the games you sell for that hardware. And uh, that's not really that surprising in news. This is actually very, very common in the video game industry. In fact, one of the only companies that ever really makes money on hardware is Nintendo. Usually, Sony is selling their systems at a loss until they get to about the second or third model of a system. Then, they, usually, they're breaking even or m- might start to make money at the end of a console's life cycle on the hardware as it gets cheaper to manufacture uh, so it wasn't really that exciting a news, but it came out and it, it shows that they're at least a little committed to it because if they wanted to, they could have probably sold it at five ninety nine to maybe break even or to make some money on it, but they knew that that wouldn't work. So I guess at least Microsoft's thinking a little bit with that. Uh, I think most people would agree right now that the Xbox one X price of four isn't really appealing to a lot of people, which is surprising a little bit like it, normally a better system you would not have a problem paying for but i think what people are nervous about is dropping 500 dollars on a system and then in three years having the xbox i don't know what are we going to call the next one xbox the xbox five i don't know, whatever it'll be whatever stupid naming scheme they'll come up with and then you've already bought this powered up system you only had it for a couple of years never got to see it fully realized and then they grow it into something else uh but that's not really that big of a story. Like like I said, a lot of people looked at that and said, Oh, can you believe that Microsoft sells for loss? That's actually how it's always been. When I worked at GameStop, when you would see like your P&Ls, uh, your profit and loss statements, and you'd see like your individual SKUs, you could see what we were paying for items compared to what we were selling them for. Oftentimes a console, like say it was a PS two that we were selling for one forty nine, oftentimes we were buying them from Sony for one forty two ninety nine. So an eight dollar profit on a hundred and fifty dollar item is not very good margins but GameStop and retailers understand the exact same business that the console makers do is that you don't make money on that you make money on the games so if you can get millions of people having systems and you're selling millions of copies of games you will make money on that so that's kind of the idea of it so that's not really anything new that's just kind of how it's always been but I thought it was interesting that it was the way Phil Phil Spencer said it you know he didn't come out and say oh we're selling it at a loss but he kind of came out and said (laughs) he came out and said hey everyone uh it's you know, you don't make profit on systems. You're you in the profit business to make money on the games. And so he just kind of said, he said it without saying it, I guess, if you read between the lines. Uh, but, you know, no big deal. Not really a story there. But um, a, a more interesting thing, I thought, was that uh, the Hitman developer, uh, which is IOI Interactive or something like that. IO Interactive, sorry, um, they they were owned by square enix they were actually um square enix published all their stuff they purchased them a while back and all of a sudden we had heard that after the latest after the last version of the hitman season one came out that io was like in trouble and square was looking to sell them or to close them and obviously that's really bad news especially since that game was probably their best game hitman that was probably the best hitman game they've ever made so it's like they're finally you know finding their stride and of course you want to be successful so the hitman developer io Interactive was recently, I guess you could say, Let Go from Square Enix. So this came out a couple weeks ago, and it was, oh, well, now they're an independent studio again. So I'm not sure how that worked, if they bought themselves back, or if they just purchased the naming rights from Square, whatever it ended up being, but they're now an independent developer again, which is awesome. And what then, the news that came out this week, which is really crazy, is that now they have full ownership rights over the Hitman intellectual property so the hitman ip now belongs to io interactive so it's not so like them leaving square doesn't surprise me so much because it's similar to what happened with bungie where they were going to leave microsoft anyway like the people that comprised bungie so if they're going to leave anyway a lot of times they'll just sell them the name to their studio as opposed to trying to keep that name and not having any of the talented people still there so they, it could have been a situation like that. But what I do find surprising is that Square Enix gave up the Hitman IP. You think what they would have done if they wanted IO to keep working on it, they could have hired IO to make another season of it. But for them to give up complete control of the intellectual property for Hitman, that's kind of surprising to me. Uh, Square obviously doesn't see any value in it, but IO does. And a lot of fans did. It was actually a really good version of the game finally. And it had gone pretty stale. You know, there were some good ones and there were a lot of bad ones that were kind of Drug out, but clearly this is uh, this is good for everybody apparently, and uh, and Square Enix apparently had had tons and tons of loss when it came to IO Interactive. It was like forty or fifty million dollars of losses incurred by the company existing, so they were happy to get rid of a bad look on their you know on their corporate stock sheets and all this other stuff. And IO Interactive gets to be independent again, and they get to make the game that they've been making, which is Hitman. So good for them. Uh, the next story is kind of a weird one, so. I remember talking about this on the uh, Have At You podcast. We talked a little bit about Devolver Digital. So they're a publisher, and they don't really like to play by the rules. Like they're kind of – I guess they're trying to go for this rebels image in the industry. So Devolver – and they and they they publish a lot of indie games, and, and they're pretty good about helping people that couldn't get published by bigger companies getting published. So I actually like Devolver as a company. Uh, But a story recently came out how they lost money after their permits were denied for E3. So apparently this year they had rented out a huge parking lot at E3 because they don't participate in E3. So um, E3, which is the Electronic Entertainment Expo, is put on by the ESA, the Entertainment Software Association. And they set up the show. So if you want to be at that show, you have to pay them money. No big deal. It seems like how all this stuff would normally work, right? So, that's that's kind of what how how the system works. Well, Devolver's never been a fan of that. They refuse to pay to get on the sale on the show floor. And what they've done is apparently the owner of Devolver knows the owner of a guy who owns like the Hooters restaurant across the street from the L.A. Convention Center, and he lets him use his parking lot to just put up a game display. Very cool. Well, this year apparently he they wanted to kind of do more. And so they rented a parking lot like right across from the city. They wanted to they got the permits to use the parking lot. And unfortunately, once the city found out what they were going to do, which was actually set up like their own little independent little little show and have their own little thing, the city denied their permits. So Devolver's claiming they lost one hundred thousand dollars because these permits got denied. Now, the interesting thing about that is Devolver is blaming the ESA that puts on the E3 show and saying that they sabotaged them. So initially, you want to be like, oh, man, why is the big guy crapping on the little guy? But you also have to think about it like this. The parking lot that they were trying to get permits for is public to and owned by the city of Los Angeles, I should say. So it's not public technically, but it's owned by the city of Los Angeles. And... So, if you get permits to have like a to rent a parking lot or to use a parking lot, and then they find out you're doing something else with it, they can deny you those permits. So, is it really that someone else and I wouldn't surprise me if someone from the ESA went to the city board and was like, Hey, just so you know, these guys are putting on a show that's trying to take away from our show. And again, that'd be crappy, but you know, I don't know why Devolver can't just play by the rules, you know, just pay these guys and get a thing on the show floor. Now, what's also interesting about that is apparently two years ago not this year, but the year before last, there was some drama with it because they were at their normal parking lot Hooters parking lot spot. And all these semi trucks were lined up at the, like at the parking lot where the ESA has some of the E3 trucks park. And they were parked in such a way that these semis made like a huge wall that you could not see the devolver. Like you couldn't see the devolver uh, area from the street. And from E3. And of course, Devolver was really big on that saying that, you know, they did this on purpose. There are, um, there are people that say, got the cats in here fighting. There are people, uh, that say that that's just how they line the trucks up. They actually do make a barrier, but it's more so that people can't see in from the outside. They can't take pictures of stuff and you can't see people loading up things. But you know, of course the Devolver guys, he seems to be a little paranoid about these ESA. And so they just kind of thought it was funny. And, and, uh, you know they moved on they bought themselves a big balloon this year so that it would f- rise above if they did the semi blocking thing again and just kind of all this you know E3 drama crap but uh but it is what it is so i don't personally i think that devolver could just play the game and go along with the ESA and i don't blame the ESA for not wanting things taking away from their biggest event of the year which is E3 i also agree though that they that the ESA could be like like no one wins when you kind of just be dicks to each other back and forth you know like just just settle it handle it you know um so th- i thought that was interesting no big deal what i find more interesting so far and each story keeps getting better and better so my next story i want to talk about is that i don't know where at e3 the ceo the ceo of atari or whoever it is now basically says they're making a new console atari is getting they their his exact words were something like we're getting back into the hardware business So rumors have just been flying around and all this other sort of stuff. They released a little mini trailer that you know showed some like like a showed nothing really, but it showed like a like a little like a little light tinge going like across this wood grain finish, and it was really playing up like the Atari Twenty Six Hundred and all this other stuff. And it's really interesting because Atari isn't really Atari anymore. So the Atari we once knew that made all that stuff was gone a long time ago, and a company called Infogrames like bought the Atari name and then rebranded themselves as Atari because the name itself still had some equity left, clearly. And so now whatever company this even is anymore that calls themselves Atari, because I thought I heard that Infogrames closed too. I might be wrong about that. I don't know. So that company now is making this new Atari hardware. Now what's also I find interesting about that is that just recently hyperkin who they make those retron systems that play like nintendo and super nintendo and genesis games like the three-in-ones we carry them at my store and hyperkin themselves is actually a distributor so i buy a lot of new accessories from hyperkin like av cables for GameCubes and controller extenders for the nes and just little things like that like they're they're a distributor for stores like mine well since they create the retron they make it they've now are making i believe it's called the retron 77 and it's an Atari 2600 Retron. So you pop a 2600 cartridge in there and you play it just like an, a Retron that will play NES stuff. So that's pretty cool, except if Atari's making a new console, you have to kind of wonder, are they connected or was it a licensing thing? The CEO of Atari talked about how he thought it was, or he's saying that it's, it's based on PC technology. So to me, that tells me that it's going to be something like maybe the NES Classic, where it's got a bunch of preloaded games on it. Maybe you can still stick games in it, but it's got a bunch of preloaded games on it. But what also is interesting about that is those already exist. There's these things called the Atari Flashback, which are what we call plug-and-play devices. It has AV cables. You just plug it right into your TV. You plug the power in, and you, it has 60, 70 games preloaded, whatever. And uh, yeah, so they've got something like that already. So is it like that? Or is it like the Retron 77 where you can be able to put your own cards in? Or is it something completely different? I would assume that they're not making a whole new console just for themselves because that would be mental right now with how stiff the competition is with sony microsoft and nintendo nobody wants to get into the hardware market again like no one's stupid enough to go in there now one thing i think would be cool is if they did maybe a portable atari like a little handheld with a screen that had the built-in games on it you could take it with you that's that's a cool idea as long as the price is right and it's it's a decent build quality But that's my concern is a lot of these kind of, I don't know if you'd call them like some people call them hack devices. I call them unofficial hardware devices. If, if these have already existed, are they just going to take that and put their name on it and put some marketing power behind it? Or are they just going to try to make something new and then get pushed out of the market again? I mean, it wouldn't make any sense. It would be just, it would be company suicide to try to make a new console with your own games and your own ports. But if it's based off PC technology, like they're saying, that to me tells me it's going to be something like the NES Classic. And if they came out to something called like the Atari Classic and it was 60 bucks and had like 100 games on it, even though that technically exists, if it was made by Atari and it was actually a little bit nicer quality than the flashbacks are, I could see it selling. You know, nostalgia as always is really hot right now and people are digging the old games and stuff. So it is what it is. But I thought that was interesting, so out of nowhere, E3 and you're not expecting to hear Atari making a new console, but I also think they're pitching it in such a way, like Atari making a new console is making people think like, Oh my god, like the Atari's coming back, but not really. Like it's gonna be something like the NES classic or something like the Atari flashback where it's got preloaded ROMs and stuff on it. That's kinda what they mean by the PC technology side. So eh, you know, it is what it is. Now, so getting to the main story I want to talk about, and as I could tell, I'm, I'm blowing through this podcast faster than I normally would because I don't have my, my lovely fiance Jen with me today. Uh, she's. We, like I said earlier, we uh, we were gone on Sunday for Father's Day. We were out of town, and then we uh, she's been working just a ton, so I wanted to just come in and do a quick one so you guys had something because I like doing an episode every week still, and, and I wanted to maintain that. Uh, so this is going a little bit faster because she's not able to chime in, so it's just me rambling on about nothing for uh, half the time as opposed to us both rambling on about nothing. Uh, but my main story I want to talk about today was Grand Theft Auto V. So obviously an awesome game. It's been out for a while. But two stories have come up recently. One good and one bad. Unfortunately, the bad one came first. So uh, a couple days, well, that might be a week ago already now, um, Take-Two sent a cease and desist letter to uh, one of the main modding, uh, like, one of the main people that's doing like release software for modding. I, I I don't use it. So I'm a little sketch on the details, but these guys basically created a mod that lets you put other things into your game. So You can put in like, you could add different cars. You could like add the DeLorean or you could add Night Rider, or you could change all the pedestrians to Shrek or whatever you want to do. This let you do that. But it was very clear that it was very clear that this was, a single player only thing. The modders were very clear on that. You cannot go on GTA online with it. You can't add mods to online. You can't cheat with it. They were very clear about that. And Take-Two out of nowhere sends them a cease and desist letter saying you cannot make mods for this anymore. And the community just threw a huge fit. And I think, honestly, rightfully so, part of the reason of certain games' success like Minecraft and others, and even Skyrim and Fallout, you could argue, is that there's a modding community. And people, modding can keep what do i say like they can make a stale game kind of fresh again you can want to play it and do some other things something like grand theft auto a lot of people buy the pc version because of its modding capabilities now i'm starting to think that maybe the reason they're doing this is because they want to offer something like bethesda starting to do where you can put mods on a console but it's unfortunate that they're shutting down the pc version which i mean mods on pc are just kind of a thing that have always existed And you're kind of telling your fans that bought your game, like, hey, screw you, you can't do it. Now, it is their game, and they're allowed to tell people that they can't play it, you know, that they can't do things like that. But the game's been out for a very long time, and they never had a problem with it before. They only used it to really stop cheating. So if you go on Steam and you look up the Steam reviews right now, it's something like 15,000 negative reviews have come through, changing the game from overwhelmingly positive to just mixed reviews over the course of, like, two weeks. It's really crazy how quickly the community can come together and like crap on something. And they're definitely doing it here. And I kind of feel bad because the game's still good. But when you piss off your fans, like there's going to be backlash. And unfortunately this is causing a lot of backlash. And I, I have to say, I think it was a mistake by them by rockstar to do this. I think that part of the success of this game was based on modders. People liked playing it because of the money you could do. And if the modders were responsible and saying, you can only do it in single player, they weren't trying to get people to cheat online. They weren't offering free money for online. Nothing, nothing like that was happening. Um, so if you're going to do all that stuff, you have to, you know, you really got to listen to your customers. And I think they just did not in this case, like maybe they should have tested the waters first, but who knows now on the flip side of that though, this just happened a couple days ago. Um, I'm assuming they sent a cease and desist letter, but they probably just threatened to sue. But there was a there was a there's an online cheating tool that is like sold for Grand Theft Auto 5. People will buy it, and it lets you harass people online by you know being able to chase down players or giving you guns that are instant kill shots and and aim bots and stuff like that. Well, so they shut them down. And my favorite part about this isn't just that they shut them down; they shut them down. They must have required them to have an issue, an apology, because the company issued an apology saying that they're sorry for anyone that they've hurt, which I love when like you feel like a bully just got bullied back. And then they also said that all profits made were going to be donated to charity. So Rockstar basically said, okay, you guys claim you've made $50,000 in sales. You have to donate $50,000 to charity. You have to apologize to us and to the fans, and then you have to cease all operations. And so they basically found this online cheating group and they just shut them down. So again, very good. But unfortunately that doesn't erase the issue with the single player modding because that really wasn't affecting anybody. That just affects your own game and I know we've talked a little bit about it on here before and Jens probably going to be upset she misses because she doesn't really she doesn't really get modding. She's not really uh, doesn't understand why people would want to do it. But as somebody like me who just thinks it's super cool to play a game like Grand Theft Auto but to be able to drive around different cars. Or, or to have somebody make, like, a real car pack so you get to drive around real cars as opposed to, you know, like, the made-up ones in the game. Like, they'll actually put Camaros and Mustangs. And I understand that, that, like, from a legal standpoint, Rockstar can't allow that stuff to happen. But that's why if you do it as a modding system, you're just kind of not taking responsibility for it, right? So it's disappointing, but it is what it is. And uh, so Rockstar did something really good this week, banned some online cheaters. And But a couple weeks ago, they kind of crapped the bed and said well we don't like for whatever reason and maybe it was an exploit was found maybe through that single player people were able to cheat online and we just hadn't discovered it yet you know but none of that's ever been told and the people who make the the modding tools for single player they they claim that that's not possible but you know rock allowed to do whatever they want with your game and it's just unfortunate that they're being so so tough about the single player side of it you know worried because the online part makes them so much money people buy cash or people buy points for the game so they can buy extra stuff in-game they buy in-game currency you know and it's it, that's how they make a lot of money after the development of grand theft auto ceased so even though it's a great game and it probably still made them a bunch of money um but yeah so that's all that's all we had for today uh i think i want to uh let's see i'm gonna look at my nintendo games here real quick and i'm gonna tell people about a game because we did this a couple weeks ago like a couple months ago probably now and we recommended a boy in his blob as an nes game you should play. So I'm just looking through my list here, and I want to recommend another one. Um, I should just go alphabetically so I don't forget if I do this again in the future. But I'm not going to do that. So I'm going to recommend a game for Nintendo. This is this is Greg's recommendation of the week. You guys should play this when you get a chance. So the game for NES is called Jackal, and it's a two-player Contra-type game, except you're in a top-down view and you're driving Jeeps. And this is one of my favorite two-player games it plays, you know, plays a lot like any sort of level-based game. You know, you get to the end, there's bosses of every level, stuff like that. But you were in Jeeps, and you had normal machine gun that you shot out the side or the front. So you, if you were moving forward, you'd shoot at the front or you'd turn to the side and keep shooting at the front. And then you also had grenades that you'd throw. Now, not only did you just blow stuff up and get to the end of fight bosses, you actually had to blow up a house it would like blow the door open and then you would pick up passengers, take those passengers back to a helipad to get extra points and stuff for that too. So just one, it's a staple of the NES library. When it comes to two players, it was made by Konami and back then they really just could do no wrong. (laughs) And that was definitely one of their highlights. Uh, Jackals in my, probably my top 10 to 15 for games of all time on the Nintendo, just because growing up, I played everything two-player with my brother. So, we like we most of my greatest memories from the Nintendo have to do with two player games and I'm kinda of looking at my wall and it's probably every other one is two player, but Jackal's very, very high in that list. So I highly recommend music's very good. Konami's music on the NES days, whoever they had doing most of their sound or their sound engine was just awesome. And uh just a very good game. All right. And that being said, uh you can follow me on Twitter at GameTradeGreg, or you can follow me at bros insanity, b r o s i n <laughs> S-A-N-I-T-Y Bros Insanity that's a my, uh, that's more my one that I focus on with the Have At You podcast and stuff like that um, I'd really appreciate if you guys could subscribe to us on YouTube I'm trying to get to that 100 mark um, once I get up a little bit higher then just more people start seeing your videos and more views and all that sort of fun stuff so I really appreciate everybody checking it out I know this podcast was a little light was a little lame uh, without Jen obviously everything in life's better with Jen as I've found out and I will find out when we get married later But uh, I appreciate everybody for listening as always and have a great day.